This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. We had hoped to start today's podcast by bringing you the news that Manchester City had dropped points to Burnley last night and so giving Liverpool the chance to win the Premier League title at home to Crystal Palace on Wednesday night. But City dashed those plans on an eventful and sadly at one point shameful night at the Etihad as they beat Burnley 5-0. But before we get stuck into those talking points from the match itself, on and off the field, I'm just going to ask our regular guest on this podcast, Matt Addison, just when is the earliest time Liverpool can now win the title? Good morning, Matt. Good morning, mate. Yes, yeah, some uh, more calculations. The calculator has come back out since last night's match. And yeah, um, I think obviously the, the main focus for, for Liverpool, first and foremost, is to play Crystal Palace tomorrow night at, at Anfield. Their first match back at Anfield since obviously the, the three-month break so they'll be hoping to to win that game and, and hopefully score their first goal since the restart but uh, yeah the, the earliest that Liverpool can win the league assuming they've done the business against Crystal Palace would then be Thursday night of course Liverpool not playing on Thursday but Manchester City going to Chelsea uh, so if City didn't win on Thursday night and Liverpool had won on Wednesday night then Liverpool would be grand champions on Thursday um, otherwise, if if City do win at Manchester uh, at uh, at Chelsea, uh, and judging by Manchester City's performance last night, I think there's a fairly decent chance of that happening. Then it will go to to the Etihad, which is a week on Thursday. So Liverpool playing Manchester City away from home, and and if Liverpool were to avoid defeat, so a, a win or a draw, they would then be crowned champions a week on Thursday. I'm sure the broadcasters would absolutely love that if uh, if it gets that far, wouldn't they, Matt? You know, yeah, you're completely right there. City are scheduled to host Liverpool at the Etihad uh, a week on Thursday, the outgoing champions versus the champions elect. Uh, City's manager, Pep Guardiola, was asked about that prospect, wasn't he, Matt, after the 5-0 win over Burnley. And he was also asked about the fit- fitness of Sergio Aguero, you know, the prolific striker who came off during the match and who does have this remarkable scoring record against Liverpool at the Etihad. Yeah, so uh, Pep said it, it doesn't matter if Liverpool secure the league at the Etihad because they're already champions and it, it, it is hard to, to sort of disagree with him on that. Uh, I do think it would be slightly symbolic almost of, of how far Liverpool have come to have won the, the league title with what would it be with, with seven games of this season to go if they win it at the Etihad, um, having obviously just lost out by a point last season against Manchester City. So I think it would be sort of almost coming full circle for Liverpool. Um, I don't think, you know, if City had a choice, I don't think they'd like it to have been then. But I suppose at least if Liverpool do win it at the Etihad, they wouldn't have had to have given them a guard of honour at the beginning. So, yeah, it's uh, positives and negatives, I suppose, for for Pep. And of course, the the predictable answer that he would say, it doesn't matter. He's only ever going to admit to focusing on his own team. So, yeah, interesting sort of stuff from him. And, And Sergio Aguero as well, obviously, went off last night, like Liverpool found, really. Um, a couple of injuries have, have been sustained by other teams since the, the restart. I mean, that one yesterday wasn't actually a muscle injury. It wasn't, you know, a, as a cause of, of the three-month delay. It was just a, a knock for, for the penalty. I think it was Ben Mee who gave it away on, on Sergio Aguero. So we, we've no idea when he'll be back. I think you know, the, the fact he went off was probably a precaution more than anything else. But yeah, seven in seven, I think, at the Etihad against Liverpool. So if he does miss out, then I suppose that is 
a boost for Liverpool in, in terms of them being able to, to get the business done. As I said, it's it's fairly likely that Liverpool might need to avoid defeat on the night to, to win the title. So I suppose if, if Sergio Aguero is missing, City have got a lot of other players to come in, but certainly not any other players with as good a record against Liverpool as he does. Not at all. Now, it is our duty to report on the fact that a banner reading White Lives Matter Burnley was towed by an aeroplane over the Etihad during last night's match and just moments after the Burnley and City players and staff had taken the knee in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. It was a shocking thing to see, Matt, and and quite rightly, it's been swiftly condemned. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there was a a couple of reports. I think Ian Ladyman of, of the Mail said that you know, even as the the players were taking the knee, a few of them were sort of shaking their heads and and sort of, you know, like the the rest was really were, were shocked by it when they saw it. They saw it immediately at the time, and yeah, it, it's a, a sad thing that we have to talk about. You almost don't want to give it exposure and publicity, but I think it is important that we discuss it. And you know, obviously, people need education, and and you know, it, it is a small minority and. As I say, it's a, it's a massive shame that we need to to even be talking about something like this. But I thought that the statement that Burnley came out with even uh, last night, uh, before the end of the game, they'd come out with a, a statement which was, was fairly strong, which was good, the fact that they'd come out so swiftly. And, and then me, excellent on, on Sky Sports and, and on Radio 5 Live as well, I think, last night. Um, just, yeah, coming out and you know using the right words, I think, at the right time, and obviously showing some emotion I think he used the word ashamed which I think is, is spot on I think you know certainly you wouldn't want this to happen from any football club and a small minority of Burnley fans have, have let their side down I think and yeah hopefully the, the sort of reaction from, from people like Ben Lee and I'm sure he wasn't the only Burnley player to, to react in the same way um, yeah hopefully it means things like this don't happen too often but yeah unfortunately we are still talking about things like this and I suppose the good thing was that it was a shock yesterday. It's not something that we see all too often, but it's not something that we want to see at all going forward. So yeah, hopefully yeah, hopefully in the next few years a, a bit more progress can be made because we, we just you know, we, we want to be talking about football on these sorts of podcasts and, and not this sort of thing. Very well said. So Liverpool will have to wait a little longer to win the title, but the fact that they're so close and the fact that they're 20 points clear of this brilliant Manchester City side does underline the incredible progress the club have made under FSG and particularly Jurgen Klopp. And that progress is spoken about by Liverpool's former chairman, Sir Martin Broughton, who, if you remember rightly, played this crucial role in selling the club to FSG 10 years ago from Tom Hicks and George Gillette. And he's been speaking in an exclusive interview with Sean Bradbury on the Liverpool Echoes website, Matt. Yeah, it's a really interesting read. I've, I've been having a read of that the, this morning. And yeah, obviously Martin Broughton, as you say, the man who sold Liverpool to, to FSG, signalled the end of the, the, the Hicks and Gillette era about a, a decade or so ago. And yeah, you, you look at the, the progress that Liverpool have made since then. It was obviously an excellent decision, he said um, in the interview. He talks about how the process unfolded and, and how there was a couple of other bidders who came in with the same sort of price tag and, and valuation of Liverpool at the time, so it was, you know, his decision to to give it to, to John W. Henry and, and FSG. So, yeah, obviously, as I say, Liverpool have have come a long way since then. FSG still have, you know, their their critics and and sometimes rightly so. Um, but there's no doubt about it; they've developed the football club to to such an extent where 
you know, a decade ago, if you'd have said Liverpool would have the best manager in the world potentially with you know Champions League on the verge of, of winning the Premier League by so many points. I mean, you know, ten years ago that was absolutely unthinkable. It was you know, <laughs> Liverpool were, were days or, or maybe weeks away from from being into going into administration and, and sort of the, the transformation since then has been you know undoubtedly down to, to FSG and, and the work that they've done. So you know I, I thought it was interesting that. Martin Broughton sort of said how he'd looked at, at what they'd done with the Red Sox decisions like, you know, not moving the, the stadium and, and redeveloping that. You know, they've done exactly the same with Anfield. They didn't want to move away. They wanted to to stay uh, and do that. And, you know, Martin Broughton says how sort of they know uh, and they understand sport. Uh, I think one of the, the criticisms of FSG is that they maybe are not football people. They don't exactly understand you know, everything with Liverpool, but they do understand sport. They understand sports business and, and, and how it works. And I think that's, you know, that's been evident time and time again over the last few years. And they've made a, a few wrong decisions along the way, but a lot of their decisions have, have been correct, not least appointing cloth and, and all the things that have happened since then. So I think obviously when you, you see the journey that they've gone on uh, and reading the piece sort of, brings that back really and uh, from somebody who was there at the time 10 years ago when the sale went through right the way through to, to today he still keeps in touch with with John Henry and, and that sort of thing it, it just underlines really I think some people do forget when they moan about FSG and, and that sort of thing the, the dire situation that Liverpool were in at the time you don't want to sort of call them heroes or, or saviours or anything like that I mean they are they're in it for, for the money and, and when they do leave Liverpool they will leave with a, a huge profit in their hands but yeah Liverpool are a really good place now and I do think they deserve credit for that The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo it's a brilliant interview from Sean. You'll be able to listen to it in full when we release it as a podcast wherever you get your Blood Red podcast later this afternoon, UK time. Now, tomorrow's match with Crystal Palace will be Liverpool's first at Anfield without supporters and Virgil van Dijk has been speaking about just what it would be like in the official match day programme, which you can order online at reachsportshop.com and you can also get a taster of what he's been having to say on the Liverpool Echoes website, Matt. Yeah, he uh, says understandably it will be Strange, obviously, playing in a, an empty Anfield. It's something that hasn't happened before. And it was quite a nice line, actually, from him. He says, supporters haven't disappeared. They'll just be somewhere else. And obviously, all of the, the Liverpool fans will be watching on from, from elsewhere through their TV screens. So it's a, an important message, I think, from Van Dijk. I suppose uh, one of the, the factors, really, I think, and in the, the nil-nil draw at the weekend was that the players hadn't played in a competitive game in an environment like that they had to sort of get changed in that porter cabin outside and, and things like that so yeah I think that played a factor on Sunday and I think on Wednesday we'll see Liverpool's players a bit more relaxed not just because they're at home and they're at Anfield in familiar surroundings but also just because you know they, they've got used to it they've played a game behind closed doors now they know how it's going to be they know how it's going to play out and that sort of thing so yeah, game two, I think they, they should be slightly more comfortable and I think we'll probably see a, a little bit more uh, or a little bit less of a disjointed team um, than what we saw over the weekend. So yeah, I would assume that, that Liverpool will improve and, and as Van Dijk says, it will be a strange experience, but you just have to make the best of it. And unfortunately, 
that's the way it is at the moment. Liverpool are going to win the league and, and nobody is going to be there to see it apart from a select few journalists and, and stewards and that sort of thing. So yeah, we, we've said it a million times and, and Van Dijk has, has reiterated that here. It's it's not an ideal situation, but that's the situation we're in and, and there's nothing we can do about it, unfortunately. Now for a story that you actually wrote, Matt, for the Echo yesterday. Roy Keane, the former Manchester United captain, now better known as a as a pundit for for media organisations like Sky Sports. He was certainly in the news on Friday night after losing his rag over David De Gea, but he's also been speaking about Liverpool to the Irish Independent. And as you say, you picked it up for the Echo website. Yeah, it's uh, some interesting comments. Um, starts off really by saying that Liverpool absolutely deserve the league this year. Obviously, the consistency that they've shown over the past two seasons and and that sort of thing. I don't think there's any doubt that when a team wins the league by as many points as what Liverpool are going to win it, that that they deserve it. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, the, the former Manchester United midfielder basically sort of gives them a little bit of praise, but then in, in typical Roy Keane style, comes back at, at the end with almost a, if not a, a dig, then certainly at the very least a backhanded compliment. I think he says, I think the industry is quick to hand out credit. Um, basically saying that, that Liverpool need to be judged over a longer period than, than the last couple of seasons, which I suppose, broadly speaking, he is correct. He says, you know, Liverpool and, and all teams should be judged over a, a five to ten year period. But, but it's one of those things that you know, Jurgen Klopp hasn't been at Liverpool ten years, so you can't really judge it over a ten year period in that regard. But uh, yeah, look, Roy Keane comment, I think, He's always entertaining, but you do have to sort of take them with a little bit of a pinch of salt. And I'm sure if Liverpool win the league, the fact that Roy Keane thinks they need to do it again and again and again, he is he is right um, on the one hand. But um, yeah, I'm sure Liverpool fans won't be losing too much sleep over what he's said there or, or anything like that. Yeah, it shouldn't be forgotten. I think it took Sir Alex Ferguson four years to win his first trophy with Manchester United, a very similar timescale to, to Jurgen Klopp and look what happened after that. Just to our last story, there's no doubt Liverpool will be interested in Jadon Sancho if and when he leaves Borussia Dortmund, but all the indications seem to suggest that they won't be in a position to sign him this summer given the bit of a saga over Timo Werner. But according to a report in the Daily Mail this morning, they may not be the only club willing to wait it out, Matt. No, it's uh, an interesting report. It's, it's first of all says that Borussia Dortmund value Jaden Sancho at 100 million, um, which, to be honest, I don't think is an unfair or, or inflated no, no. valuation. To be honest, um, just you know, given his age, he's, he's still only 20. You look at the numbers that he's produced this season, the goals and the assists. You know, his goal contributions I think might be above more than, than one per 90 minutes that he's played, which. You know, for, for any player, that is, is absolutely incredible. Then you add on the English premium as well. Um, the fact that, you know, for, for English clubs, English players always do cost that little bit more. We've seen that hundreds of times. You know, John Stones, for example, was not maybe a, a £50 million player when he moved to Manchester City. But, you know, you, you do have to pay more for these players. So, yeah, I, I don't think £100 million is is too much, but... The report suggests that while Manchester United were, were thought to be uh, sort of leaders in the, the race for him, they won't pay £100 million because they view that as being over the top, um, not least because of the coronavirus situation that we're in at the moment. So, yeah, Liverpool, Real Madrid and, Ma- and Manchester City also 
uh, said to be interested. Um, but yeah, it, it's really, really interesting. I think that, that United won't go for him at a hundred million because, um, yes, well, first of all, because I, I think he's worth it. But I also don't think that the Borussia Dortmund would ever think about reducing that price tag because, you know, unless, you know, unless, for example, he refused to sign a new contract or he stopped playing off and acting off it, it would be a, a strange decision really to let him go for, for less than that because I'm sure in a normal year, maybe in January or in the, the future, maybe next summer, there's a good chance that somebody would pay that sort of money. So, yeah, it's... Uh, an interesting story. Another sort of interesting point, really. There's a line in it that says Liverpool are, are slightly concerned about his off-field discipline mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Which, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure specifically um, what that is sort of hinting at. I, I've not seen too many stories of misdemeanors away from the pitch or, or anything like that with Jaden Sancho. But you know, we, we do know how much Liverpool place an importance on that side of things as well. I mean, obviously they scout what he does on the pitch. I don't think it takes too much scouting to, to work out that he's an excellent footballer, but uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of work going on to sort of decide whether he's the right character to come into Liverpool as well. And I'm sure Liverpool will, will do the due diligence. So yeah, it's uh, an interesting report in a couple of different ways there. But you know, certainly if, if you said to me that Liverpool definitely had a hundred million to spend on a player, I think to be honest, he'd be, he'd be the one that I would go for. Very interesting indeed. We will wait and see. Thank you very much, Matt. That's all for today's Morning Bulletin podcast. We're actually uh, taking a day off tomorrow, as we're delighted to say that. Neil Fitzmaurice and Peter Hooten are set to return with a combined edition of their Poetry in Motion and Alain LaRouge podcasts. But before then, we've got that Sir Martin Broughton podcast that we were speaking about earlier. And we'll also have Jurgen Klopp's pre-Crystal Palace press conference, which starts at 1.30pm UK time today. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.